Thank you for joining us for this message from Cornerstone Community Church in Lynchburg, Virginia. Here's Pastor Willie Taylor. Is he worthy to be praised? He is worthy to be praised. And we'll start off with a Bible verse. Let's turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verse 6. Now, this is an account that uh, Jesus, he had, had to go through Samaria, and uh, he was going through one of, the, one of the cities in Samaria, and he was tired, and he stopped at this city that uh, had Jacob's well in it. And so we'll pick it up right in verse 6, and Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, being wearied from his journey, was sitting thus by the well, it was about the sixth hour. Now, in, in, in the Hebrew uh, time frame, that's, that's 12 noon. There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, there's a lot of things in here that we probably won't talk about. Uh, but you wonder, why is this later coming at noon? Because most of the people come around... Uh, the evening time, the women come around evening time to draw water. Why she come around 12? But we're going to keep going. Verse 8. For, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Plus, during that time, the Jews, uh, men didn't talk to women, uh, strange women they didn't know anyway, out in public. So it was one thing that didn't happen. And then he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan. That doesn't happen either. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God, that's one thing, and who, it, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, that's two things, you would have asked me and he would have given you living water. That's three things. She said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Now the well, was, well they, they um, say about hundred feet deep. So it's a deep well. And he says, give me something to drink. Give me a drink. He wouldn't drink out the Samaritan. The Jew wouldn't drink out the Samaritan, one thing. He didn't have anything to get in the water with, another thing. Why would he say that? So she says, you don't have anything to draw with. The well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? That was an interesting question and a good question. Since you don't have anything to dip with, where are you going to get this water from? Plus he called it living water. Verse 12. You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons 
and his cattle. So in other words, now we, we, we have our father Jacob. He was drinking out of his well. Where do you think you're going to get some living water from? Is this water going to be better than what's already here? Then he says, Everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. Going to the well, you can assume. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water, springing up to eternal life. So he's telling her that you got a, a physical well here. I'm going to give you a well that's going to be in you, a well of water. It's going to spring up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. And so she wants to never be thirsty again. She wanted this living water, and she doesn't want to come there to draw water. And you can imagine why when you uh, know the story. And, of course, I'll keep reading. Verse 16. He said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. So he's, he's now introducing who he is. Because he said, if you knew who it was that was saying this, you wouldn't, you, you, you wouldn't have asked this. So he's getting ready to reveal himself. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. You have, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. Now, now do you know why this woman is coming at 12 o'clock, 12 noon? The other lady is not coming. Why aren't the other ladies coming? Why, why is she coming to the well and the other lady is not there? She, she has had five husbands, plus she's living with somebody that's not her husband. She's living in adultery now. She is, nobody's going to come to the well with her. So therefore, she has to come to the well when nobody is at the well. So she comes at noon when everybody else is coming around, around, around the evening time. She doesn't want to have to keep making this trip down here. So she says, give me this living water. He, he tells her things about herself that she doesn't, she knows that he doesn't know that. How would he know that? He wouldn't have any clue about my five husbands. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. That's good. That's good perception. Yeah. And she had some spiritual wisdom uh, because uh, she knew something about worship because Samaritans, they were, they were mixed, a mixed group because they were brought in and mixed up with the Jews that were left in their place when, and when the other Jews went in captivity. They, they intermarried and things like that. That's why the Jews hated them. They were a mixed multitude. And so she knew 
about worship, and here's what she says. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So we have the Samaritans worshiping on a mountain, Mount Gerasim, because the Samaritans couldn't go to Jerusalem, didn't want to go to Jerusalem to worship. So we had two places of worship. Jesus says, woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain, Mount Gerasim, nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. So he gives us some more information. Salvation is from the Jews. So salvation is from the Jews. He's saying that, that who, who's the only one that can bring salvation? Jesus Christ, isn't he? And he is a Jew. You remember he said to her, if you knew who it was when, who was saying to you, give me a drink, you would ask him for a drink. So he's revealing himself, say, salvation is from the Jews. He's a Jew. And, of course, Jews were the first ones bringing the good news because Jesus, uh, they were God's people. But, listen to what he says, an hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers, oh, we want to be true worshipers, don't we? We'll worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. He's seeking Worshippers who will worship him in spirit and truth. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So, we have a dead spirit if you're not born again. When you get born again, your spirit is alive, of course, and, and we got in God's spirit, you've got to worship God in spirit, and truth is sincerity. You've got to worship, worship God with sincerity. In other words, there's not going to be a mountain. There's not going to be in Jerusalem. It's not going to be in a place. It's not going to be in Lynchburg. It's not going to be uh, in a church uh, building that you're going to worship God. You're going to worship God, a true worshiper, going to worship God in spirit and in truth. That's true worshipers, spirit and truth. So now when we're talking about worship, what have we already established? That worship is not in a place. Worship actually is adoration shown to God. It means a deity, but it's adoration shown to God. is really your dedication, your sincere admiration to God Almighty. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not what we just finished doing uh, from 10.30 to whenever. Uh, that's not really what we call worship in its entirety. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is 
what you do, what you say, where you go. Worship is everything within you and about you. That's worship. In other words, worship is in this temple, in your temple, that's worship. It's not in a place. You can worship in your, on your job. You should be worshiping on your job. You should be worshiping in your car. You should be worshiping at your house. You should be worshiping when you're cooking, when you're washing dishes. You should be worshiping all the time because whatever you do should be a worship to God. It should be adoration shown to God. Whatever you do, in word or deed, you should do all to glorify God, shouldn't you? That's worship. That's worship. When we go to the movies, we should be worshiping God, shouldn't we? Worshiping God. We'll go to the movie. If you're going to glorify God, right? Everything is about glorifying God. That's what worship is. Let's talk about a little bit more about what worship is. Worship is a relationship, an intimate relationship with God Almighty. That, 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 that's worship. An intimate relationship between you and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That's worship. That's worship. That's worship. That's worship. Worship, uh, when you think about it, is, in, it is an inferior, adoring, a superior. That, that's, that's what it is. You worship someone who is, you, you believe is higher than you. That's, that's who you worship. Sometimes we worship our own way of doing things. Sometimes we worship uh, movie stars, athletes, we worship a lot of different things. Uh, some people worship the moon, the stars. They worship, uh, see, they, they worship a lot of different things because they believe that those things are higher than they are. They're superior. But we worship God because God is a superior being. Is he supreme? Are we inferior to God? Then that's why we worship God. If you think of of kneeling, if you think of prostration, that's worship also. That's, that's a worship. Because it, it's, it's putting yourself in a position of adoration of, of a supreme being. Most of the people you see in the Bible, you read about, that met God, met Jesus Christ, met, met the Father, uh, they, they, they did something unusual. They fell on their face before, they fell on their face before them took off the shoes. They, they did something because we're in the presence of a supreme being. But we have an intimate relationship with him. He allows us to have an intimate relationship with him. And that's a good thing. Worship is the first part of prayer. Uh, like, the, like the Lord's Prayer. That they, 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 they call it the Lord's Prayer only because we call it the Lord's Prayer only because uh, he was teaching his disciples how to pray. And he didn't say, 
uh, when they asked, uh, teach me to pray. He didn't say, well, okay, just ask for uh, this, ask for this, ask for this, ask for this. How does it start off? Our Father. You're acknowledging that he is the supreme being. Our Father. He is supreme now. He's not our earthly Father because it's our Father who are in heaven. And then it says something that is worship. Hallowed be, holy is your name. Holy is your name. So we're acknowledging that God, you are the supreme being. God, you are my supreme being. You are my heavenly Father, and holy is your name. Oh, that's worship. That's worship. That's the first part of prayer. Worship. It's also an expression of extravagant love that's shown. Worship, when you want to, when you want to worship God, part of worship is extravagant love that's shown. Let's read it a little bit about that. Uh, let's turn to uh, Luke chapter 7. Let's go there. And probably verse 36 might work. It says here, Now, one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table, and there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house. She brought an alabaster vial of perfume and standing behind him at his feet, weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped, kept wiping them with, her, with the hair of her head and kissing his feet and anointing them with perfume. Now when the Pharisees who invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he wouldn't know who and what this sort of person, this woman is who's touching him. That she is a sinner. And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher, say it. <laughs> a moneylender had two debtors, and one owed him 500 denarii and another 50. And when they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. So which of them would love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the woman who forgave more. And he said, you judge correctly. And then he says something here. He says, Simon, he says, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. 
For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. How much have we been forgiven? Much, haven't we? Much. Extravagant love shown. Did she show extravagant love? That, oh, that's extravagant love. This is not just love. This is extravagant love. Somebody who will, who will be, uh, her tears will be wetting his feet. She'll be wiping his feet with her, her hair and anointing them with, with perfume. She was worshiping. She was worshiping. Extravagant love shown. What do we do that shows extravagant love to the one who has forgiven much from us. Because if we have never sinned at all in this life, we still are sinners because we are born from Adam. And there's no one who has never sinned. All of us have sinned a lot because he says it's not one who's not a sinner. Not one. No, it's not one. We have been forgiven a lot. Much. But I, I, I don't know whether we think that or not. We have to think that way, that we have been forgiven a lot. If we think that way, then we will extravagantly, extravagantly show love to Jesus. Extravagantly worship. You can worship. What can you worship with? You can worship with your voice, Right? Extravagantly worship. Do we extravagantly worship Jesus, worship the Father on Sunday mornings when we come here? This one time we can corporately worship. We can worship at home. We can worship in our car. We can worship any time. But when we come together corporately, do we extravagantly worship God? Or do we kind of seem like we might go through the motions? I know the worship team tells me sometimes that I said, you know, make sure you start at 10:30 on the dot. And and they said, well, the people not here, they 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 come in late. Don't wait on anybody. When Jesus comes back, he's not gonna wait on anybody. Right? Ask the ten virgins. Right? Yeah, ask them. Five ready, five were not. They, they, they left. They didn't get in. And what we want to do during this series, I'm going to give you one assignment, and that is that we want to take what I give, we want to walk it out that week. And, and, and the series is called, again, He's Worthy to Be Praised. This one is worship. I want, to, I want, want us to practice for the length of this series. might be two. I don't know how many messages it's going to be. It uh, won't be over four. But, but regardless, what I want is that every Sunday morning for the next four weeks, 
can, can we do four weeks? I mean, is, that, is four weeks too much? Four weeks too much. And what we want to do for four weeks is just like we, we, we asked the, the parents to bring the children at 10.15 because we had a uh, bloom, uh, what is it called? Uh, okay, bloom, do, Travis, okay? Is we want to, we, we, we have, we don't have balloon do Travis in here, but we do have Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Right? We want to come early. Come early. And when the when when you hear the, the sound of the music, it is gonna be a, a sound, uh it, it gets faster and faster and faster. And you, you got your watch. At ten thirty, we want everybody in here. And when, the, when they start at 1030 worship, let's extravagantly worship God according to how he has forgiven you. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Is that too much to ask for, I mean, for four weeks? It'll take, some, it'll take some effort now to, to you know, Get our makeup on, get our hair ready, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff, you know, to get here and be in here at 10.30, right? Just imagine that all who are not in here are going to be left behind. And, and, and he's going to take everybody that's here, okay? <laughs> Just imagine, okay? That would be a good thing, wouldn't it? Okay. You can worship God with your voices, and we're going to extravagant worship him. Worship team, we're going we're gonna to worship. We're going to worship, okay? We're going to really let, them, let God know that we appreciate what he has done for us, okay? Because he's done mighty things in our life, hasn't he? Mighty things in our life. Yes. God's obedience. Let's look at it in Genesis Chapter 22. Obedience. Just being obedient to what God has asked us to do. That's worship. Worship. Verse 1. Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. Now it came about after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take now your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham raised his eyes and saw the place from a distance. Abraham said to his young man, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go over there, and we will worship and return to you. We will worship and return to you. 
In other words, I'm going to be obedient to what God asked me to do. I'm going to offer my son up as a burnt offering. I'm going to put him on the altar. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to light the fire. I'm going to offer him up to God because that's what God asked me to do. We're going to worship. That's obedience. He said, I'm going to be obedient. God was testing him. He said it in the beginning. He told us. He didn't tell him. He didn't, God didn't tell Abraham. I'm testing you, Abraham. He didn't tell him that. He told us that. God tests us a lot of times to see whether we're going to be obedient because if we are obedient, we go to a higher level. Because Abraham went to a higher level after that. Because he said, now that I know, you know, hold it, don't you do this, don't you do this, boy. And there was a ram in the thicket over there. So he said, now I know you won't withhold your only begotten son. You're your only one. You're not going to withhold him. I know you love me because you're going to be obedient to what I asked you to do. God tests us a lot of time with obedience. Hard things. Hard things that we don't want to do, but as they worship to God, we do it. We'll go to a higher level every time. God never asks anything of you unless he's going to take you to a higher level. And the harder it is for you to do, the greater the reward. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. Another thing is that our worship, worship is... It really goes no higher than our knowledge of God. Meaning, how well do you know God? Because if our God is a big God, and our problem is a little bit of problem, It'll cause us to worship. If our problem is a big problem and our God is a little bit of God, we don't worship God. We concentrate on our problem. That's what we do. But it takes a knowledge of God. You get a knowledge of God through the scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through experiences that, that will verify and confirm the word of God. Let me give you an example. On Friday, Brenda was talking to this lady, Brenda Dixon, who's uh, in, in charge of the all of the dinner park. And she said, well, if it rains, are we going to have this thing? She said, unfortunately, yes, rain or shine, we got to have it. And she said, well, I've been playing this thing for a year. The forecast called for like 70% chance of rain. And how many of you know that, that if you were awake on, Monday, on, on, on Saturday morning early, it was pouring down rain. I know that there are other churches out there. I know she was saying, most people, I don't care how 
ungodly they are usually, <coughs> when they get to a point where they need help, they'll, say, they'll call out to God. Help me, God. They'll call out to God. And, but how big is our God? I was laying in bed, and, and it was raining, of course, and I was going over my message, and, and I got to this point, you know, in reviewing in my mind all the points I got to go over. And the thought tank came to me, how big is your God? Because it's raining. Pouring down rain. And, and, and I mean, we, we, we got all these games. We got all this stuff, you know. We spent money. You know, we, got, we got stuff to... How big is your God? And we've been praying, and I know that, that, that other people have been praying and stuff, and we got out there. You know, it was a beautiful day. Beautiful day. Overcast. And, 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 and nobody's going to get no heat attack or nothing like that and, and, and faint, you know. Uh, overcast. The, the, the grass dried up. Because MLM, the one that they, they did the dance here, they did it out there on the grass. They didn't have no mat or nothing on the grass because it, the grass was dry. Do you hear what I'm saying? How big is God to you and, and how big is your problem? And I had, I had, I had to smile. God, you are so good. Because I, I, I was praying, God, hold back the rain to at least 4 o'clock to people. I know it ends at 3, but they got to get all the stuff you know, unpack it, they got to pack this stuff, and they got to get it back to their places. God, hold back the rain. It didn't even rain anymore. No more. Even though they called for it. Didn't rain. How big is God to you? Don't we all have problems? How big is your God? Because you will worship God if you know that God is supreme. It can be pouring down rain on this side of town and sunny on the other side of town. It can. Last Wednesday was doing that. It was raining over here. And I said, Brandon, I was going to cut my grass because um, your mother, she has a women's group and I, I let the thing grow and I know it's going to be embarrassing so I need to cut the grass but it's, it's, it's raining. It's raining. And I called home. I said, Minerva, uh, it's pouring down rain. I was going to cut the grass. She said, pouring down rain where? I said, over here. She said, it, it, rain? it, it didn't rain over here? It didn't rain over there? No rain. Come on home. Cut this grass. <laughs> oh, glory. Hallelujah. God is, he can control anything he wants to control. Is nothing too hard for God. A person say, "Well, you know, we have a person in the congregation. God, uh, the, 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 the doctor say it's it's impossible. You're not gonna have any children because you know your physical condition and, and the, with your tubes and stuff. You're not gonna have any children, so you forget it. Well, we got we we they have a child. They have a child." Her name is Brianna Dorsey. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 
the doctor said that Stella won't have no children. Said, no, won't have no children. Uh, the the, the uh, my my brother called me uh, last week and said that uh, the doctor. I'm on my way to the hospital. The doctor said, uh, "Dot, and that's my sister. Uh, Dot's not gonna make it through the through the day, and so y'all better come on and see her." I said, I said, okay, uh, I'm not coming. I said, it's okay, you don't have to come, you know, because there's nothing you can do anyway. But there is something we can do, isn't it? Pray. Pray. And so she, this, we were talking to her Friday. We were talking to her. Uh, she's, she made, not only made it through the day, she made it through the next day, 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 and she's going home. Not, not home, but going, <laughs> going to her physical home. <laughs> yeah. 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 I said, I said, we'll come down Thanksgiving. Uh, I was talking to her on the phone. I said, I said, look, God, I'm not interested in coming to a funeral. So you better not give up. She said, okay. And, and uh, so I'll see you Thanksgiving. And she said, well, uh, I, I hope so. I said, what do you mean, hope so? You think something's going to happen to me? She said, no, I don't think anything's going to happen to you. But I was just saying, don't, I have no need to let that come out of your mouth because you're going to be around for Thanksgiving. And as a matter of fact, I want you to bake a Pineapple cake for me. She said, I can't bake anymore. The doctor told me I can't bake anymore. Well, have your daughters to bake one. I want a pineapple cake. I'm coming for, for Thanksgiving. Okay. God is good, isn't it? It's nothing that God can't do. How big is our God? God is big. He's big. The bigger he is, the more you worship him. The bigger the problem the less you worship him, and the more we concentrate on the problem. I'm telling you. And you know it to be true, because some things are impossible in the natural. Right? But all things are possible with God, because he's supernatural. He's not in the natural. He's supernatural. And that's what we want to do. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to worship him. He wants us to make sure that we recognize him for who he is. He is the creator of all things. Everything that we see today was not in existence until God spoke it. Nothing existed. He spoke everything into existence. He says that, is my, Moses said, well, how am I going to give all these people meat to eat? Because they were complaining about meat in the wilderness. I wish we were back in, 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 in Egypt because we had leeks and gods, we had, had flesh pots, we had, a, how am I going to give it? He said, is the Lord's hand too short? 
Not only am I going to give them meat to eat, they're going to eat for a whole they, month. They're going to, I'm going to make it come out of their nostrils. They're going to, they're going to, didn't they? Didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Who in the world can, can, can take a seat, open it up, and his people go through on dry ground, and then the people who are chasing them, the water come back over them. Who can do that? Who can walk on water? Who can cause a man to walk on water by just saying, come, come? And, 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 and we're, we're concerned about a problem. I don't care what kind of problem it is, right? What the doctor said, who cares what the doctor said? Because the doctor can only do what he has been taught to do. I asked my doctor, he, he said, hey, are you taking any, anything other than what, 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 what I'm giving you here? I said, well, I take some L-I-C, I take some vitamin C. Why are you taking that for? <laughs> they ain't going to do nothing for you. See, but they don't teach the medical doctor about nutrition. So therefore, they don't know anything about nutrition. Yeah. Don't believe everything. The doctor, the doctor is not the final say-so. If they were, people be, would nobody die because the doctors can make everybody live. Right? The doctors can't make everybody live. But I guarantee there are many doctors who said, you, you're going to die. And there are plenty of people that they said that too is living today. God is worthy to be praised. Thank you for listening to this message from Pastor Taylor and Cornerstone Community Church. We are located in Lynchburg, Virginia at 525 Old Graves Mill Road. You can find us online at cornerstonelynchburg.com, contact us by email, cornerstonecom at comcast.net, or call us at 434-847-4796. We pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.